Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode was with my good friend, Mr. Jim Quick. Uh, Jim is, I think he's like a genius. He's very smart. He's really uh, excellent with the matters of the mind and the brain function and memory and all things of that sort. And that's what we got into this episode. We recorded it live after the World's Summit in Long Beach. Both of us were speaking at that event. You can see the video on the YouTube. I'm going to start doing more YouTube. Uh, if you guys give a dang to see what these look like. Uh, you can jump over to the YouTube Line Podcast and check this thing out. Um, thanks so much to people for going to the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. Uh, jump on there, start the five-day movement challenge, sort out that physical body of yours, and uh, with five fundamental movements, every single human being ought to be sorting out in their daily existence. Super simple, easy, and free. Get up on it. Um, thanks so much to Blue Blocks for supporting this podcast. They are some of the steeziest blue blocking glasses that you will encounter in this lifetime. Uh, why the heck would we wear blue blockers in the first place? Uh, they're really important for protecting your sleep function. So when you are going to bed and you're putting your sweet, tender little eyeballs, projecting them towards your LED screen of your computer or your uh, cell phone, light bulbs in your house, all the crap, even the fridge light, you open that little mofo up and you get up midnight for snack, which it's not a wise decision, but that's a different story. Um, all that stuff. Throw in some blue blocking glasses because when you get those light signals penetrating, those balls of yours in your face, your face balls, um, sends a signal that it's time to wake up. And that is a bummer for your internal physiology because it's not time to wake up, it's time to go to sleep. So you get juiced up with cortisols and messes up your whole melatonin levels and circadian rhythms like what is going on, man? Um, interesting stuff. So block out those blues, get a pair of blue blockers. Uh, I use them all the time for traveling, especially airports, all that stuff. Uh, you can get us a little discount, 15% off blueblocks.com slash align, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash align. Get a discount on it. Um, I think that's it. I am finishing up the edits on the book, The Align Method. That thing is coming out December 24th. It is up for pre-sale now, which is freaking crazy. Uh, so you can go to Amazon or thealignbook.com and pre-sale that little thing. Uh, it's been great. Got endorsements from all sorts of great people. Chuck Liddell and Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese and Dr. Perlmutter and Dr. All sorts of doctors. It's great. Anyways, here we go. Back to the Shazal with my good amigo, Jim Quick. Pow. Align Podcast. Can we sit up front like... Yeah, whatever you want to do. Oh, I'm going to be lounging. Oh, yeah, you're going to be... I'm a lounger. Oh, you're going to be in your... I'm lounging. Oh, you're going to be like... Oh, okay, good. And, my, and I got a hole in my pants, too. I ripped my pants during the thing. We're recording right now. Podcast started. <laughs> We're in, Jim Quick. It's on. Aaron Alexander, let's do this. Official slap. Right, I'm going to... Uh, Represent. Sit, What's yeah. this shirt all about? Follow your heart. Follow your heart, but bring your brain. What's this heart-brain connection in your experience of life? I think that there's a... It's been my experience that there's this resonance uh, between the heart and the brain. I do this exercise where if I feel stressed or I feel like I'm out of sync, I'll just do, you can actually do this too, just take my hand. This is very simple. I take my palm and just put it on my head, put another my other palm on my heart, and I just breathe like 
into that space. And if you're just listening to this, you probably could do this also as well. And, and there's a video. There is a video. Hand on the head, hand on the heart. And what you'll find is, um, so you have shown where you'll have it like an EEG and an EKG, and they'll actually harmonize after a few minutes of doing that. Mm. And that's where you're going to just make better decisions, you know, when you're in your head and in your heart. So you we do your, that. We're harmonizing and attuning with each other's hearts just by being together as well, mm. from my understanding. Have you heard this? I have heard that. Yeah. That's, uh, Joe Dispenza gets into all that is, mm-hmm. is where I got, I mean, other people get into it, but unless he, he speaks on that. Yeah. Actually at this, uh, event that we're at right now, uh, Joe attended one of my, uh, one of my, one of my brain trainings here. He's, he's remarkable. Yeah. So ama- amazing work. And that's why it's another, yet another reason why you want to, you know, be conscious of the people you're spending time with. Yeah. So you're, you're constantly, you're somewhat of like a mega empath, I think. Is that, you're like very sensitive to people's energies and such and like rooms and the way people feel and is that right? Do you feel that? What's your sense of being in a room? I think it came from, um, I am super sensitive, um, borderline hypersensitive. Hmm. It's, um, many people know, I know we've, we've, you and you've been on my show and we've had conversations on your show before talking about uh, my brain injury when I, um, when I had this accident when I was five, this traumatic brain injury, I became very self-conscious. Like my personality changed uh, because of the the, tra- the trauma, but also socially I became, I mean, we were very, in my family, you know, my family immigrated here from Asia. They, they're very, very introverted as, as it was, but after my injury, I became shy, which was more of a self-esteem thing than a than it is when you're introverted. So I became, I would just watch people because, you know, I'm really into superheroes and I talk about superpowers. My superpower growing up as a kid was being invisible. (laughs) I didn't want the spotlight. I didn't want to be called on in class. I would constantly, and you're my movement coach, my kinesthetic coach, you know, my, my posture even now, it has still has memory of just shrinking down because I was always shrinking down because I wanted to be small. So people wouldn't pay attention to me because I was, you know, I was labeled in when I was nine, the boy with the broken brain by a teacher who was just frustrated of explaining things over and over again to me. You know, she, she, you know, she did the best to her ability maybe, but she called me that label in front of the whole class. And so I was always shrinking because I didn't want to be called on. I didn't want, I would do a book report, but um, if the teacher asked me to present it, I would lie. And all those weeks of effort would go into the trash and I would throw it out yeah. because I didn't, um, I was very, it's weird, right? Like my two biggest challenges were public speaking and learning. And the universe has a sense of humor because that's all I do. I public speak on this thing called learning. So why was the transition to, with that? So it's to your but to answer your question, the reason why I feel like I built these empathetic superpowers is because I would just watch people all the time. Yeah. And because I was suffering and struggling, I would feel suffering and struggling in other people because I would just observe and get curious, be like a little, like a wallflower and, um, and be super sensitive. And because I knew what it felt like to not be enough, I was always, and that's why even when I'm teaching, I go through these I'm constantly putting myself in situations where I feel uncomfortable 
um, you know, I, I just started retaking uh, flying lessons. <laughs> I, I did this like, you know, 10, uh, 15 years ago. I started to take, because I want to do things. I want to remember what it feels like to not be able to do something. So, um, so I could be a better teacher. And I, because you don't want me, to, I don't want to take for granted that everyone should be a speed reader or have an incredible memory, and remember what it's like to take on something new and the insecurity and fear of making mistakes and not being good at it. I want to always be sensitized to to that feeling. I think it makes us better coaches. Yeah. So that's that's most people's number one fear. They say I don't really know what people's number one fear is, but nonetheless, to say that public speaking is like a number one fear for a lot of people, like being seen, potentially being vulnerable, being mm. judged, critiqued. Um, so you go from the absolute extreme end of, of experiencing that to all of a sudden for a living being a professional public yeah. speaker. So how do you how do you align yourself before speaking that you're not just shitting your pants? <laughs> um, so the past 10 days I've been on three continents and I've addressed um, over 15,000 people live. It's um, It's still not my my go-to because i still am an introvert so it's still um an introvert is i feel my friend simon sinek has told me years ago that his functional definition of an introvert is somebody who wakes up with five gold coins imagine that and um just got a shout out to all our introvert friends out there um, one of my favorite books is called quiet you should read it by susan kane which um really is a permission book for introverts saying there's nothing wrong with you mm -hmm. um, and the power that comes from, from being an introvert. But um, Simon mm -hmm. says you wake up with five gold coins and every time you interact with somebody, they take one of your coins until you're eventually depleted and you got to recharge. And an extrovert is somebody who wakes up with no coins and they go around connecting with people and they get coins and they get energized and energized. Cool. Um, so for me to do what I do, it's still not natural. Um, you know, I know all the EFT and self-hypnosis too, but it's not my nature because I'd rather, I, I recharge and I replenish, but I do it because I feel like, you know, shame on me if somebody is uh, suffering and struggling the way I did and I don't help them. And so that's why I did my podcast and that's why I travel doing this. Um, now, how do I align before I get on stage? I, um... My rituals have pretty much been consistent. I've been doing this now for 28 years. Um, I I focus. What gets me out of my nervousness is focusing on the, the people. Mm -hmm. I will, if I can, go into the audience before, um, just like I did today at this event, before the people sit down and I'll like sit in their seats. Wow. And I'll kind of feel the room and I'll imagine looking at me on the stage doing my um, my teaching, but from their point of view. And it you know, I sit in their seats and I sit in three different places around. Um, and that's kind of something I always do. Um, how I get my body primed. Um, I mean, you, you've been working on, on my body, uh, for, for a number of years now. Um, you know, I, because I travel, my body is, holds a good amount of tension. Yeah. So I try to, um, I try to do some stretching. I, I recently started to do a little animal flow. Um, so we could, we could talk about, you know, like good. we could do that like afterwards, but I, I like to move because as your body moves, your brain grooves and, you know, we hear sitting is the new smoking and all, you know, all these things, but we, I've learned a lot from you, you know, you've spoken at our events and I try to incorporate movement all the time. So right before I go on, I'll just, um, just loosen my body up, um, do some uh, deep breathing 
And, and I'm really, I'm ready to go because I, I believe that the life you live or the lessons you teach, I just teach the things on stage. I don't do any mental prep. I, I trust that it's going to flow through me. Hmm. Um, that's How why do you I get out of the way of yourself. Just preparation, just so much preparation that it's just, it is you. Yeah. And my preparation comes from living. So I would say that I do the things that I teach. Um, so I think that's the most important thing. I, I have some, I'm, I, years ago I got a little bit jaded in the personal development wellness industry because I, um, sharing stages with some of these people that I grew up listening to or reading. I felt like I knew them, especially the way I read a book or listen to their audio books. Um, but then when I met them, a couple of them like really were not anything in a, in not a, in a, in a negative way, like not empowering way of who they, I thought they represented. And that was a little bit shocking in terms of their habits and their, how they treated people or whatever, you know, not congruent with, with their message yeah. or even what they ate or what they did. You know, I was just really surprised. That's all. And uh, nobody's perfect. And I'm not even suggesting that it's just, um, I just document on social media, what I'm doing much like yourself, like who you are on your show is just who you are when we're hanging out. And I just think that's, and you think that would be kind of obvious, but it's, it's refreshing yeah. Sometimes. What do you think that is, the duality of people that put on like a, a, sh a show or a presentation, uh, uh, you know, a performance of their thing, and then they have their life? Like, I, mm -hmm. I think that sounds quite fine. It just sounds so tiring. Like, I just don't have the energy and, to be able to, to do that is the reason why. And that's the, the big, you know, when we hear words that are overused, transparency or authenticity, I feel like for me, it really is about energy. And I'm, I mean, I'm on stage different than I am, you know, when I'm with, with friends and, and out socially on stage, I have to be a, more dynamic and engaging <laughs> than maybe as my set point. Yeah. But I do it because I teach accelerated learning and I know that learning is state dependent and I need to engage people with a certain level of, um, of, uh, of activity and, and, uh, yeah. and so, um, but that, that, that is a different side of me, but it's still me. Um, I feel like that our, we put energy, a lot of people, you know, and all of us to some extent, the three different areas. So we put energy into this image of what we want the world to see us as. And then we also put energy towards an image that we fear people um, we are. You know what I mean? So energy is going into this fear place of where we think we are yeah. and, you know, where, where we have, you know, where we have, we feel like we're not enough and it has all, you know, the, that helplessness. It's like a black hole. Yeah. And then the, the energy of putting, to, you know, to our true nature. But you're right. I, if people feel fatigued and they feel tired and they feel burnt out, maybe it's because they're putting this energy into three different places yeah. as opposed to, to one, you know, integrated place. Yeah. Yeah. Incongruence. That's a mofo. It, 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 it's, it's, and, and the person we're hurting is, 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 is ourself, and it's always easier. And everybody, because we're tricking it's people. So, it's so interesting. We're like, misleading people. Yeah, and, and so it, I got this message the other day on social media. They were like, Jim, how do I remember, you know, memory techniques, right? They, I get them all the time. How do you remember names? How do you remember my, my you know, the, taking the bar exam or, you know, this, this anatomy thing or whatever, or languages? The other day I got a message from this person. It's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dating all these women, you know, and I'm trying to keep up with all the things I'm telling them, 
you know, these like these, you know, these lies, right? And I'm just like, dude, how much energy are you putting in? Like, he, he wants me to tell him about how to use the memory palace to be able to, you know, keep right. ideas about, um, you know, like one line about this and this and who the he is in this context of this. And I was just like, dude, it's just, just be true. Like, you don't need a great memory if you're just going to be honest. Yeah. So how do you, speaking of that, how do you prime yourself to be in a ready state to receive and process information? Yeah. How do you do that? So I feel like, um, so I always talk about, in, in the last episode, I, I really think people should listen to the, the, the episode that you and I did together. Um, but the foundation is, I talk about head, heart, hands. That you could visualize something in your head or have a goal in your mind, uh, KPI, and have some kind of outcome. But if you're not acting with your hands, then, you know, engaging that second H, which is your heart, if you're procrastinating or putting things off, you know, tap into your, your purpose. I think motivation is a little bit of a, of a myth when it comes, because I think motivation is important to prime yourself to learn something, but it's not sustainable. You have to kind of pump yourself up a little bit. Um, in the personal development space, they talk about how, you know, motivation is like a warm bath. You know, it just wears off a little bit. And, but I think for me, I break it down into just three parts of motivation because I want it not a surge of motivation as much as I want sustainable motive for action. And so part of it is tapping into my purpose. Like um, a lot of people didn't learn things back in school really well because they, they didn't have, they didn't see the relevancy. Like if you think about the Pythagorean theorem and the chemical, you know, elements of the periodic table, sine, cosine, tangent, x, like people didn't see the reason, so they they, they didn't get the result. Yeah. You know, that information didn't stick because they didn't right. see how it was practical. <laughs> um, so I think the reason and the purpose is very important to be cl- the clarity around um, around why, you know, Simon Sinek wrote that you know, landmark book called Start With Why. I think people need to tap into that, that why. I think also to have, um, to prime myself, part of it is also habits. And when I'm looking at habits, what I'm really looking into is small chunks. I noticed with behavioral change, and we've done six episodes on how to create habits and, and break old bad habits, you know, the, the through line behind a lot of the work is creating micro commitments where, we know, for example, flossing your teeth is good for your health. We know yeah. people who floss their teeth, good oral hygiene is going to help them to live longer. But a lot of people surprisingly don't floss their teeth. And so if you I wanted... did this morning because I gave a <laughs> shit about the day. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, today's, I got to prime myself. I'm yeah, flossing. And we did, um, and, and we also <laughs> did, um, like we both had uh, a James James Clear yeah. on, on our, you know, on our show talk about atomic habits. And it's, it's like, you know, you don't have to floss all your teeth because maybe that's too overwhelming because some people, they put things off just because in their mind it's bigger than it really is. Then you just ask them to floss one tooth or get in the habit. Just the tip game. Yeah. Exactly. And so if I wanted somebody, I think it's important for people to, uh, to read <laughs> every, um, every single day. I think reading is to your mind what exercise is to your, uh, to your body. Um, but, and we did an episode on how to read a book a week. It actually equates to, this is interesting because you're, you, you know, you just submitted your book. I'm about to submit my book to my publisher and you're I'm doing the word count. The average book, you know how many words are in, in your book? Yeah, uh, it's like 78,000. Yeah, so the average is more than average. The average has about 64,000 um, 
so it, that sounds like a lot of words. And I think, you know, a lot of people would like to read more and read a book, you know, 50 books a year. That's amazing. One book a week. Um, if the average person reads about 200 words per minute, that's 320 minutes to get through one book. When you divide it by seven, it comes out to about 45 minutes a day. So it gets more manageable. Yeah. Exactly. 45 minutes a day, you could read a book a week. Um, but some people, 45 minutes is way too long. You know, we're talking about priming yourself to, to read. Once I tap into motivation, what I'm going to get out of this book, you know, because reasons reap rewards, then I'm going to think about, well, how do I break it down into like, maybe I don't read for 45 minutes. Maybe I read one sentence. You know what I mean? Because I doubt I'm going to stop at one sentence. Or if you want to be able to work out, it's just getting your getting your shoes on. Or taking them off, maybe you know, yep. um, or just getting to the gym if, or the Pilates studio. I mean, once you're there, you're going to do it. So the first part is finding your purpose, asking yourself why, and really tapping into the results that will come from it. Number two, I'm thinking about chunking it down to such a small part you cannot fail. And right. you know, what's the smallest chunk to be able to move you towards it? Um, there's something called the Zygarnik effect. It's um, a psychologist, Dr. Zygarnik. She was in Europe and she was in a cafe and she noticed that the wait staff would retain all of the orders that the customers um, had placed until the orders were delivered. And once the orders were delivered, they would have amnesia. But she called it the Zygarnik effect, basically saying that the mind doesn't like open loops, that if you start something, you're more compelled to f close it and finish it out yeah. it's you know why we watch binge watch netflix because at the end of an episode it gives a big cliffhanger and you have to close that loop by watching the next one and the next one, That's how next we're, one. we're preyed on by social media exactly very much so so utilizing these things towards your own benefit and your own wellness i feel like um get the purpose micro commitments and then the third thing is you need energy we don't think about it very often but a lot of people are not motivated are passionate because they just lack the vitality. They suffer from brain fog, mental fatigue, and it's hard to, you know, like if you don't have the neurological, biological energy and the nervous, the nerve energy, it's hard to be able to complete those things. So, you know, we talked about in the last episode I did with you, like, you know, 10 of the things I believe really enhance cognitive energy. Things like a good brain diet, things like sleep, things like movement and yeah. uh, stress management and so on. So how I get prime myself really is to tap into those three forces. I think about what am I going to learn from this and really feel emotionally the benefit. Then I think about what's the smallest chunk, and I'm always looking to optimize my uh, my cognitive load, if you will. I heard recently a statistic. You, you're probably familiar with this one. It's the specifics. I don't remember exactly. I need your help. Um, but 87% of people part of the statistic essentially don't like their work right. so there's like it was something They're like disengaged yeah like 50 some percent of those people they call them like i think sleepwalking mm -hmm. where they show up you know they pour the coffee they do they're, they're just they're just checked out and their body's just this machine that does the thing yeah. and then a smaller percentage 20 or something like that hate their work they despise it and then there's this 13 percent they're like man this is good stuff like i can't wait yeah you know, and I think it's really interesting. We're doing all these tactics to fight brain fog and all this stuff. And it's like, well, if 87% of you don't actually want to be here, mm -hmm. it's like maybe brain fog is like a good indication that you, that it's time for an adjustment. And I think it's everything, these emotional things that we feel aren't necessarily bad. They could serve us because they're these signals for action. Like I, I want to feel 
fear or discontent or maybe when I feel nervous before a talk, maybe that's great because that's energizing me and it's sending me a signal that I need to prepare or I need to be present or I need to be able to show up. So I feel like if people are dissatisfied and not engaged in their work or they feel like they're checked out, I think um, check your environment because the environment you know, really affects your internal environment. Yeah. And I feel like also a lot of people who complain about being burnt out, it's not because they're tired, like this, this fatigue all the time. It's not necessarily because they're doing too much. Maybe they're doing too little of the things that really make them feel alive. Yeah. It's and, like pruning, uh, taking daily, auditing yourself. You know, what, what my, my life really serves me and stokes my fire. And what am I just, do I just feel obligated to keep on going through these medial tasks? What do you prune out of your life and in, in your, yeah. your go? Uh, on, on that, I would, I would say that because we, we both, um, I'm sure, get this question a lot about passions and purpose. Yep. Like, you know, my, my job doesn't feel like it's my passion nor is it my purpose. For, for me, I really think that a lot of people need more novelty. They need to actually give themselves more stimulus sometimes, just like you would a child if you're a parent and give them enough stimulus and novelty to see what they gravitate towards. Um, and I always tell people to try things at least three times, like try it once to experience it, try it again to get decently good at it, and maybe try it again to see if you like it and you enjoy it or not. Um, and then also a lot of people are always shrinking because they don't want to try new things because they don't want to look bad to other people, which is, uh, which is a different sort of problem. When I, um, I do a lot in Hollywood, helping them to, um, to read their scripts or to memorize lines faster or to be focused on set. And I was doing a training for Jim Carrey, and I spent the day with him at his home, and we were making some brain food uh, during a break. And uh, I asked him, why, why do you do what you do? And he was like, Jim, I act like a complete fool on camera, so extreme, because I want to give people, it's on purpose, I want to give people who are watching at home permission yep. to be themselves. You know, if I could act that extreme and that silly, then 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 people are like, oh, you know, this is in by comparison, this isn't so bad. And um, and I feel like I, I spent a lot of time. I get a little bit choked up when I think about it. I um I spent a lot of time in um, nursing homes in um, in senior centers, and while I train at the Cleveland Clinic, the Center for Brain Health, their doctors, their caregivers, some their you know their patients, because um, I'm very you know, I'm really an advocate for brain health and brain fitness. Um, I do it because I, um, I, first of all, growing up, you know, we were really taught that there's a lot of wisdom and, you know, to respect our elders because of that life experience. I love learning because I feel like I can learn from anybody, especially people who have been on the planet for a lot longer than, than I have. Um, and on the other side, I think I could learn from a child who's, you know, also as well. But the other part about it is um, I lost my grandmother when my when my parents came here, um, they uh, you know we we was didn't speak the language you know that story didn't have had zero money, we lived in the back of a laundry in the laundromat that my mother worked at, um, but so my parents had multiple jobs, um, so my dad left um, where he where he lived in Asia because his both his parents had passed and they couldn't afford to you know, feed him. So he lived with an aunt in the United States. And, um, and so his aunt raised me as, you know, that was my grandmother. Um, but she, um, when I was going through my brain injury, when I was about, you know, five, six, seven years old, and that challenge, my, she, uh, 
she was losing her mind and uh, to uh, dementia, to Alzheimer's. And it's really hard as a child that the impression just to just to talk to her and, you know, she would call me by a different name or she would repeat something she just said 30 seconds ago. You know, when people lose their memory and then you know, on their mind, they lose, you know, part of who they they are, right? Like, because who are we other than, you know, like... The story that we remember. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and... Um, so I spent a lot of time with 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 um, with seniors, and but the but the common besides polishing off their memories and and helping learning, I also hear regret. You know, when you when you're at those final stage of your life, and you're vulnerable, you share the things that you know you feel like you could have done differently. And the common regret I hear continuously for for two decades is um, somehow some people people live their life differently. And they would do it differently, but they somehow limited themselves because of they chose a career because their parents, it was expected by their parents or by, by friends or the keeping up with the Joneses, or they didn't date this person they were really connected to because of what other people would think. And, um, you know, I always tell people, like, when we're taking our final breaths, none of other people's opinions or our fears, their expectations, none of it's going to matter. What's going to matter is how we lived, how we loved how we laughed, how we learned, you know, those things. So come from that place. And uh, that's what I feel like those are essential for us to feel fulfilled and and joy and happiness when we're growing and we're giving. And I feel like we get one life. Um, You know, why aren't we running like we're on fire towards our wildest dreams? And some of it, I think, is we know our passions and purpose, but they're buried under other people's opinions and expectations. And this is very real and raw for me because I lost uh, a good friend uh, recently, a couple weeks ago. You, you, you might know him, or I know a lot of people listening probably know his work, Sean Stevenson. Uh, Sean Stevenson, um, <clears throat> you know, we've been friends for over a decade. They call him the three-foot giant. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, has, uh, a, a, he, he was born with a... Uh, a bone uh, disease where he even went through the process of being birthed he, he had broke bones he broke over 200 bones before as a before he was an adult and he was you know he was confined to a wheelchair and he recently passed but his message and you know he helped me so much through some of my um, my growth and transformation and trauma um, and he spoke at all our you know our events and but his mission was to rid the world of insecurity you know, here's this guy who worked at the White House. He was like, he was blessed by the by the Dalai Lama. He worked with Tony Robbins. You know, he had a really full life. He he. I was at his wedding. He had the most beauty. You know, beautiful family, and everything. And it's it's um, you know, and he he passed at the age of forty unexpectedly. And now I've been watching his videos every single day since then, because I could still feel like he he lived more in his life than most people will in in three or four or five lifetimes. And, you know, to sell, I watch him to celebrate it, but there's so much wisdom there because he made, he really took all the excuses away from people. We live in a world sometimes where people, you know, more than people would like probably feel entitled. You know what I mean? They, 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 and here's the thing, like excuses are really are useless. You, you can't be upset by the results you're not getting from the work you didn't do. I am totally surprised when people message me about something or they, they didn't, you know, they didn't apply anything like they, they'll buy a program or something or Elizabeth, but they didn't do it. And then they're, you know, they're expecting to get results without putting forth effort. I don't know. What, yeah. are, what are your thoughts on? 
I think we got to wrap this thing up. I was like, <laughs> I was, I, I want as many humans as possible to hear that last 10 minute rift that's all i was just i was just i was just like back i have nothing to say (laughs) we gotta flip over to the other to the other side how do people thank you so much man dude i i I always i i appreciate you i want to thank you for your your friendship and also your support and mentorship you know these years because you know traveling as as i've been and just you know being on this mission it's um you know it really it really it mean it means everything and you know I, I believe really do believe a big part of it is spending time with people that you admire and yeah. i'm saying the people who are listening that you know everybody needs somebody who encourages them yeah who supports them or cheerleads or challenges them and if you haven't found that person yet be that person for somebody else and most importantly be that person for you because if you're struggling with burnout or you feel like you know your energy is being dissipated part of self-love and self-care you know well for part of it is falling in love with that person in the mirror who who's who's been through so much but is still standing right yeah and nobody's nothing's going to fill your cup and your soul what you could give you nobody on the outside but i would also say part of self-love is making sure that every time we say yes to somebody or something that we're not saying no to ourselves. And I would remind everybody who's listening, and you might be applying this even better than I am, but just a reminder for the times we're not is to, as part of self-care is setting boundaries on, um, on our time, on our, on our, our emotions, on our heart sometimes. Um, because you can't, you can't give what, what you don't have. But um, but I want to appreciate you. Always fill my cup, so I I appreciate it. Thank you for the great work that you do, and thank you, man. Say that publicly, and thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, People, um, podcast. I I would love it if people. You know, we have a ten fifteen minute podcast. You've been on it. Um, I'll co-release this as well. So if people enjoyed this and they're still with us in the ride, then uh, so we're we're gonna gonna jump over yours right now. That's perfect. And then um, I would challenge everybody to do this because I I always think everything has to come to some kind of action. Is uh, I would challenge everyone if you got some value out of this, take a screenshot of this episode, tag Aaron, tag myself in it, post it, and share your big aha, or maybe one new thing you're gonna do because of it. It could be that really small little thing. Um, because I feel like you can learn it better if you teach it and you share it. It becomes more of who you are. So it's not something you heard on a podcast. It's like integrated into your identity. And um, when we teach something, we get to learn it twice. So take a screenshot, tag us both in it so we can see it. Share your big aha. And um, as always, I'll, I'll reshare and repost some some of my favorites. I can't wait to read it. Oh, me yeah. too. Thank you so much. Dude. Thank you, brother. Um, thanks for listening human beings out there uh we're gonna jump over to what is your podcast called quick brain quick brain jump over to quick brain quick brain over now thank you hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as i did i want to present y'all with a fun opportunity of starting a program that i created called the align method online program that focuses on unwinding the unsightly patterns of staring into technology essentially so forward head posture rolled forward shoulders hyperkyphotic spine disengaged glutes knees collapsing in if there's collapse in any level in the body it will trickle up and down through the rest of the system that program focuses on unwinding those things, giving you self-care 
self-care practices, movement practices, and lifestyle adjustments, very subtle ones, that will give you all more flexibility, more strength, more confidence, more energy, all the good things. Um, and you can start the first week absolutely free and just go to alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N method. Along with that guy, you will receive the Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band with a door anchor, and that also comes with its own online program that is free with that thing. Go to alignband.com and start that program for free. Um, I think that's it. I so greatly appreciate you guys listening to this conversation. So greatly appreciate reviews on iTunes, sharing uh, on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or wherever you do your shares. Uh, this program goes on, lives on because of y'all. So um, it doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reviews. Thanks for joining your life. Enjoy.